This Monday edition of What Suits Him Radio is brought to you by What Suits Him Consulting. Kira Mack, professor of English at Howard University, says that What Suits Him Consulting provided outstanding and timely service for resume and cover letter restoration. Their attention to detail, flexibility, and writing acumen help provide quality documents that increases offer opportunities. Their pricing is also affordable for current students and recent graduates. He recommends What Suits Him Consulting highly for your document restoration needs. William Gardner, author of the book Trigger Guard, says that what Susan Consulting completely satisfied his editorial needs while he was working to finalize the book, providing a more professional and meticulous approach in editing than he could have himself or with other prior services. He would recommend what Susan Consulting to anyone looking for professional editing and consulting. And lastly, community specialist Gabriella Sullen says that she always reaches out to what Susan Consulting for her resume and cover letter needs. They are very articulate and spot on in blending your resume and the job description to find the exact words that describe your work personality and value to potential employers. And not only are they great wordsmiths, but their turnaround time is impeccable. And those are just a couple of the outstanding reviews that we received over the past few months. If you need assistance with professional documentation of any kind or just want another set of eyes to help out with that passion project of yours, please contact us today at whatsusam.com backslash consulting to learn more and get started. One more time, that's whatsusam.com backslash consulting whatsusim.com backslash consulting. We're also brought to you by the web's best kept secret, whatsusim.com, where my latest essay, The Truth Shall Make You Free, is available and readable on the website's homepage. Um, Whatsusim Podcast Network still going strong. Just celebrated episode 50 of Whatsusim Radio with the homie Mel Washington that went up last Wednesday. Um, more to come on this feed specifically, but also the Albums of the Decade podcast. Season one, available wherever you stream your podcast. Please listen to the first 12 episodes. Season two is getting ready to launch very, very shortly. Also, a new podcast feed titled Wrap It Up with me and Miss Rhonda Morgan coming your way next month. It's recapping one of your favorite television shows of all time. You don't even know what show it is yet, but I know it's one of your favorite TV shows of all time. So very excited to get that one off the ground. Be on the lookout for that wherever you stream your podcast, playlist photography, contributions by some phenomenal guests to the project, and so much more, all available at whatsusim.com. Please check it out whenever you get a chance. Coming up next, first-time guest, long-time friend, Miss Dominique Crump is on to discuss the Sexual Assault Survivors Restorative Justice Project. I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of last Wednesday's episode, but I wanted to get her on to discuss it, uh, its origins, this specific moment in sort of gender relations between black men and black women, Restorative justice, exactly what that means, and so much more. We get into it. After her, uh, Miss Rhonda Morgan and I, so I hopped on Zoom with her on Juneteenth. I woke up that morning very fired up, wanted to sort of interrogate the origins of Juneteenth. Uh, we talk about that. We talk about Spike Lee's new movie, 840, um, The Five Bloods. We also talk about 846, the Dave Chappelle sort of stand-up talk um, on Netflix, and some book recommendations we had, and probably some other things I'm neglecting to mention. So. Hopefully y'all enjoy both conversations. Um, it's a two-parter if you need to return to me and Miss Rhonda Morgan's conversation after me and Miss Dominique Crump's conversation, totally fine. But hopefully you enjoy both. I'm sure that you will. But first, as always, you know I'm in love with my brother, Willie Major. Uh. 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 Yeah, I'm Detroit's own savior, Detroit's own plug, Detroit's own future, Detroit's own love. I'm Detroit's own. Yeah, I'm Detroit's own Yeah, and I never asked for my heart back You can have it without all you taught me I never would have lasted I know I can move through some Back Hollywood again after the technical difficulties This is all good though, Miss Dominique Crump, how are you? Yes, thank you for having me I'm so glad to be here Yes, thanks for coming on Um, 
trying not to rehash too much of what we talked about already. But so I want to have you on because I think this month has been good and sort of illuminating in terms of showing me how black men think about both race and gender. Um, gender specifically is what we're talking about today. You and the colleague have started the Sexual Assault Survivor Restorative Justice Project, um, which I want to shed light on specifically because I think a lot of these projects as they should provide a lot of resources to the person who has been the victim of the violence or um, sexually assaulted. But a large part of what you all are doing is helping out the assaulter as well. And something I was mentioning before I lost the audio <laughs> before it was, um, I think that it, specifically in the black community anyways, we don't really allow the space for assaulters to get their shit together. It's kind of like figure it out and, if you do figure it out good for you, but we kind of never know because we never like allow that grace. And so I think like part of this project is actually trying to figure out how to provide grace for assaulters and actually bring them back into the fold without, you know, keeping them out forever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for having me. And also thank you to, um, the individual who in large part made a lot of this possible. Um, I'm not going to name him cause he's, expressed multiple times mm -hmm. that he hasn't doesn't be named but um Understood. there's a member of one of the organizations who made the website set up the donor box and you know has been riding with me along the way um so i really appreciate him um but yeah the the part for me i come i just i come from a school of thought of healing and conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people conflate restorative justice with like just roses and butterflies, mm -hmm. but no, like accountability happens. When you touch a hot stove, you get burned. Mm -hmm. So like there are going, there are repercussions to actions and some of those repercussions look different than others. But the end goal is definitely to make sure the people who have caused harm are not continuing to cause harm. Mm -hmm the people in the community who have kind of sat by idly watching it happen have the tools, the language, the resources and knowledge to call it out so that it doesn't continue to happen. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that that is how it is coming across because when you're creating things and writing things, sometimes you're not sure if your point is coming across well. So I'm glad that in your explanation and your understanding, it's, it's pretty spot on for what we're trying to do. Yeah. No, I mean, so I, I totally understand it and I appreciate it. And I do think there are circumstances. I, I, I don't want to be judgy because it's like when you do that, you also you aren't taking into account your own personal foibles and stuff you need to fix. And I know like as a black man myself, I'm not immune from, you know, keeping up these, the status quo that keep that subjugates black women. Like I understand that. Like I am not so, so I'm, I'm not I'm complicit in the sort of sexual assault that's allowed to be like that's allowed to be propagated on the black woman specifically um mm -hmm. but i guess partially what i've been reckoning with the last couple of weeks is this idea of men not knowing so like i kind of conf not conflated but i compare it to racism in that i just don't really believe that people aren't aware of their poor behavior i think mm -hmm. that they can i, I think so what I, what I specifically said as it pertains to this was that like I think we're a little bit sad, not sad, but like icky that we got caught and now we have to actually look in the mirror and deal with these things. But 
I know, I know personally, and it, makes, it does make me feel real weird to say this, like a little bit sociopathic, but it's like most things that I've done that I knew were bad, I did it thinking that like there wouldn't be repercussions to my actions. Not that they were bad things. Uh-huh. And so I kind of wonder, like, it, it does make me wonder when men say, I didn't know. It's like, what do you mean you didn't know? Did you not know that was a bad thing? Like, you don't need to read a book to know good and bad, you know? But I don't want to take away from the idea that people might not have been taught that, so. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I actually um, had a conversation today, and I'm comfortable sharing it because this person is not in the community. Um, I had a conversation today where the young man was just like, I really, it just wasn't clicking to me that that was wrong. And he was like, and I know it's because of how I was socialized, but now I feel like I have to apologize to this girl for something that happened five years ago mm-hmm. because I know it was effed up and I am feeling so much shame and guilt, but I also don't want to ask her to forgive me because then that's putting onus on her. So I mean, right, this, right, right. I just felt it and he was just like, I just appreciate you for being nice and calm and cool for this whole through this whole process because he he was really reeling and I was just like yeah this, this is the work and so to go to your question or like the back to the comment of like do people know this is right and wrong you know I I don't know right but what I can do is come from a place as somebody who now, if, if there was somebody who impacted me, obviously I wouldn't talk to them because that's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. But ideally, no one who has ever impacted me is going to be reaching out for these services. So it's not, I don't have an issue with showing that empathy and show, give, giving people the space to sift through their stuff because I know that that means that whoever they harmed is not gonna have to, hopefully, is not going to have to go through that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people might want to. So obviously we're not we're not trying to take away the any type of way that people want to be empowered if they want to address the person who hurt, hurt them. And I also know that there I, I reached out to a survivor who and she said she didn't want to be involved. She ain't even want to be involved in reading what I wrote. Mm. <laughs> so it's just like, um, yeah. I'm going to stop there and wait for your next question because I feel like I've said enough. No, no, I get it. But so, I mean, you made me think about the the conversation you had with the young man earlier. And so, and I I don't want to blame it on like change the societal whatever, because ultimately we were, like I said, I think we were doing what we get away with. And now that y'all are calling this on, it's just a lot of consternation about us needing to modify our behavior when once upon a time it wasn't that bad. And I'm, I'm thinking about when we, like when we were in high school and even in college, and there's really no consent when you ask when you dance with a girl. You kind of just walk up on her, and if she dance with you, she dance with you. If she don't, she don't. There's no like asking. Can I? Do you? Would you like to dance though? You know what I'm saying? And so, Some, I will say at the club, not at the house parties, but at the <laughs> club when I was in college, people would ask, and I, if I didn't want to dance, I was able to say no. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. But I think like so, so. I didn't. I never really asked. I would like grab a girl's hand if she pulled uh-huh. away. That was the no. But I never really was like, excuse me, miss, would you like to dance with me? I never did that. Right. It's, it's, I was like thinking about changing society. Like consent has sort of changed over the last decade, if not you know, half decade. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I do understand how there are men who could be like, y'all weren't tripping over this not that long ago. 
but they probably were in private, just not to us, you know? Right. It, that's the part. Right. It's that right, right, right. part. It's that part. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff that has happened to me that I didn't like, but I was just like, how am I actually going to stop them from doing this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. honestly, sometimes people try to do that so that you can engage further. And I'm like, Ugh, if all I got to deal with is with this doggone waste grab today, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and I saw a tweet that said, unnormalize walking past, like getting past women by touching their waist. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, please. Mm -hmm. And Which is it's, that's just tacky though. Like I hate when men do that shit because it's like, bro, you could have squoze, you could have like tapped a shoulder, the waist. Like, come on, man. Anytime I see a man do that, I kind of want to swing on him because it's like you didn't have to do that, and it was tacky, and you just and it's, like I said, you knew he was gonna get away with it because who's gonna call you out? Who's gonna stop the behavior? Exactly. So, and I think that's what what I think that's the side of it that men or any really anyone who's causing harm because I, I, I want to also name that I think I think this conversation is definitely going to be focused on like relationships between men and women um, there are also some other relations that are problematic as well mm -hmm. I'll stick to this for this conversation right, okay. I understood. Um, oh my gosh I lost my train of thought my bad oh. I cut you off but no, 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 it's fine. So just like men are socialized to like, oh, there's no repercussions of my actions. Mm -hmm. We're socialized to be like, people don't believe us when we say something happened. Mm -hmm. Women are called hysterical when we call stuff out because it's like, to y'all, it's not that big a deal. I've definitely been called hysterical for going off on somebody at the club because it's one thing to touch my waist. It's another thing to squeeze my butt as I'm walking past. That, that neither is cool but the second is even more egregious. we are trash bro <laughs> and then i'm gonna have to fight you and oh then oh my god super gaslighting because it's like it, when i get mad it's like what you mad for it ain't no big deal it ain't like i smacked you i just no. grabbed you. so like, so, so no bullshit i i get my ass pinched in the club by girls and I, I feel so dehumanized i'll be like yo i i that honestly informs i'll be like i'll never touch a girl inappropriately in the club bro because how dare you like do not touch my butt bro anyway and i and i think when it happens the other way around is when it's when people are like oh this how y'all feel but it's like mm, none, none of us should really be touching each other you know <laughs> you know we just shouldn't so yeah 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 so i so saw in terms of i guess the sort of resources you're providing to assaulters like what like what what is there out there for them already that exists and are you all like innovating in that space like how are you actually engaging with them to get them to understand what they did was wrong so the way that we have it set up is on the website you can um and i'm on there navigating it now so i can be very user friendly so when you're at the home page mm -hmm. you scroll down you read the statement you read the plan the approach um, and then there's at the very bottom, it says, if you've been named as someone who assaulted someone else and you want to set up a conversation to discuss how you might want to begin to repair harm, please fill out our initial contact form. And on the initial contact form, you know, we explain what the, pro the purpose of the project is. 
we ask for the first name. There is a last name box, but you're not required to fill that out. We ask the best way to reach you, um, the contact information, and then just noting that for this particular project, because there are um, so many people who have been named at the University of Michigan, that's mm -hmm. where initially we wanted to start. Um, but like I said, I did talk to um, someone who wasn't affiliated with U of M today because okay. um, I did have the time. So I'll probably update that on the form, but I say all that to say the conversation is based on what that individual wants. So it's very similar to, let me be very clear. This is not a therapy session. If you are looking for a therapist, <laughs> we have provided some resources uh, for therapists on the webpage. I have been trained as a therapist, so those that's the approach that I take, but that's not what we're providing. Right. Um, but what we are, but in, in the mindset of a therapeutic approach, I can't take this journey for you. I can't take this journey for anyone. Mm -hmm. So people tell me what they're looking to get out of it. So for example, for today, the individual was looking for how to start the conversation how to write the apology. So we literally went through like the six steps of an apology, mm. which ones you want to include. Are you going to reach out to her via phone, text, in person? He's like, well, what happens if I see her in the street? We talked about that. And so it's really based on what that person needs. So, but he already had a basic understanding of toxic masculinity, misogyny, rape culture. Like he had all that language. Mm. I There was no convincing him of these things being real right. but there are some people who might be like i've been named but i don't feel like i did anything wrong that's going to be completely yeah. different so are, so are you willing to have like multiple consultations with folks or is it just kind of a one-time deal no i'm definitely willing to look like we can have multiple consultations with folks and that's why the donor box was set up okay because the work is taxing mm -hmm. the work is draining and it's not something that me and Julia just by osmosis are good at. Like we, we've gotten training to make sure we know how to talk to people. Right. Um, so definite it's, it's work that I would do for free, but it's the principle. Um, a lot of work that women do their acts to do for free. And so I've been very intentional, um, especially after getting this MSW and knowing how disproportionately we are paid Mm -hmm. Next, other helping the other health profession health professionals because many of us do work in integrated health settings. Mm -hmm. so I was trained in integrated health as a behavioral health uh, counselor, and um, my colleagues were the ones that were getting paid because I was an internship. Definitely was not making as much as the other people up in there. So. Um, but are the ones doing a lot of the brunt of the, the, the long work because mm -hmm. our sessions are 45 minutes to an hour versus 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> so um, I say all that to say, yes, um, I'm definitely willing to have multiple conversations with folks and it just, it, people have to be open. Right. So like, if you're not open, I'm not going to push it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know everything. So the person I talked to today, I don't know everything that happened between those two. And I don't really need to 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 provide resources. Mm -hmm. um, and if you if you're really in a place where you want to make a change, or even just say, "Hey, how do I talk about this to 
my friend or my brother or whoever. Um, we're willing to meet anybody where they're at because this work is important and we it there needs to be multiple paradigm shifts yeah totally um i'm i already know the answer to this question is probably it depends but i i heard you say that you were helping young man earlier get the literature we'll get the language together to like talk to the person and i've always been curious like folks would recommend you actually having a conversation with i mean on either side the person that you heard the person that hurt you because I don't know. I've, I've kind of gotten to a point now where, like, not necessarily closure is overrated, but you kind of have to get to that point within yourself. And I don't know if a conversation with another person would do anything but dredge up old shit. And uh, so I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on how you would. I mean, I, like I said, I'm sure it depends, but I've, I've always been kind of like on, of the perspective of, you know, like, let, let shit lie and forgive yourself if you need to forgive yourself, you know? Yes. So, yes, it depends. <laughs> and I hate that answer, but it does. Yeah. Um, I'll continue to go on this example just because it's easier to do it that way. I asked him, I said, what are you going to do if she's like, keep that funky ass apology. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how he was going to handle that. And he was like, I'm going to have to talk. I'm going to have to deal with that with my therapist because that's a fair response. And I was like, Ooh, I'm so glad that he said that. Because <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I mean, that's the only possible answer. I, I mean... I, I feel like men do this manipulative thing too, where, and I'm not, I, I mean, I've grown out of that. This is like old, old Larry, but you do, you send the apology, like the checking on you. I'm sorry for what I did. Apology. But you're just trying to get back in. You're not really trying to make amends. You're trying to see if that person's still available to you. Yeah. And he was, so in the point he made was she is a nice girl. She is loving and she's going to forgive me because she's a nice person. And I don't want to even ask for her forgiveness. Mm. And so I think those are all the things that people need to think about. Like, is this apology for, are you asking for forgiveness for you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or asking for forgiveness because that's their apology language. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna just go over what apology languages are because mine is make restitution. I tell people that all the time, you can keep all them funky words. Mm -hmm. What you about to do because I need that, I need the hurt that you call, I need the, you making up for what you did mm -hmm. be as strong as the hurt that you caused. Reparations. Period. So um, there's make restitution, genuinely repent, expressing regret, accepting responsibility, and requesting forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So for me, making restitution is 85%. Genuinely repent is 10. Expressing regret is 5. Accepting responsibility and requesting forgiveness for me personally is zero mm. <laughs> because if you have something to apologize for i guess for me the way that i probably took the test is making restitution is you accepting responsibility mm -hmm. uh, but there might be people who are like very big on you genuinely repenting and expressing regret mm -hmm. so the apology kind of has to lend room for all of those things but scientifically speaking um, from one of the articles that I read, requesting forgiveness is at the bottom of the <laughs> of the list of things that yeah. people typically want. Yeah. Um, so they said if you were to do if you were to leave anything out of your apology, it would be that. Okay. Where can you is that that's, you said that's a test somewhere? Yeah. So the apology language quiz is by the same people who do the love language quiz. Okay. So um, I can send you the link when we're done, so that yeah. you can. 
Yeah, I'll put that in the episode notes for sure. I'm intrigued by my own apology language. I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel like I do want to hear people say it, but that's only, I feel like that's part of the paying restitution. That's not the only thing I need, but that's like part of the package, you know? Like, don't just do shit for me and don't say sorry. Like, I love my stepmama to death, but she'll, she won't apologize. I'll just come in the house one day and there'll be some donuts on the table. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. really need the donuts. I just wanted to hear you say, I'm sorry, you know, but I get uh -huh. it. Or to say like, I know that that was wrong. Right. I know that that was wrong. I know that I hurt you. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the part that people miss. Sometimes they miss the whole thing, like you just said, but. <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know. I don't know. People, people try. People try. I think people try. Uh, I hope people try. People like, it's I hope hard. People try. It's it is very difficult because it's pride. We right. we are of ego. Mm -hmm. Ego is running so many of us, and you know, some people are of the school of thought of. I need to be more confident. And I know I personally need to be more confident, but I don't need my ego to drive me because that gets ugly. Right. You know? Right. And so with fighting your ego and dying to your ego, you have to really ask yourself, like, what what do I actually lose by saying I messed up? Mm -hmm. Am I going to, would I rather lose that relationship or lose that person's respect or damage the relationship? to keep my pride and my ego or am I willing to die to my ego to repair the relationship or save the relationship or whatever so but I mean people are legitimately bad at formulating verbal apologies like I, I hate the sorry if I offended you apology that's not an apology that's you saying if like that, that's saying I didn't do anything wrong to me but if you feel I did something wrong then sure here going an apology for you it's like that's not really accepting responsibility for the fact you caused harm that's you saying, sorry that you got your feelings hurt. <laughs> it's that, just throw all that away. Just throw it away. I've had somebody say to me, D do we need to talk about your issue? I can cuss on here, right? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like, bitch, this our issue. We friends. <laughs> like, this is our issue. Straight, straight up. We are friends or were friends. And so... With that, I was just like, okay, girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I don't know. Ver verbal verbal ticks teach me so much. Like something, I mean, there was a, whatever, Brandon Hunter got accused of a lot of shit on Twitter. And I've always had like a weird kind of vibe about the guy, whatever. I was just kind of know where he came from. Honestly, my sort of viewpoint on, on the world is I've known all y'all since I was 14, 15 years old. Anybody I met after that, I kind of don't trust. Anyways. <laughs> Um, but the point remains. So I just kind of was trying to figure out where this guy who I didn't know started kicking it with all my friends. Um, but whatever, he seemed to know a lot of people and nobody seemed to have nothing bad to say about him. So I left him alone. And then when all this stuff popped off, the first apology, the, well, the first denial was so bad that I was like, he did that shit. And yeah. then like all the subsequent apologies here to four, I'm like, dude, just say, I'm sorry. This is all you had to say. Like you, you running around like, like you important. I'm like, dude, you did it. <laughs> Like, just say, so, I don't know. So, like I said, people are just really bad at articulating apologies. But like you said, it's also ego. It's, it's You not one step out of yourself to admit that you might have done something wrong to somebody else. And a lot of people know that once they apologize, it's work that comes after that. Right, exactly. 
the relationship is just not magically repaired because you've apologized. Like I know that I personally, because I am sensitive and can harbor resentment, I have to be better at telling people sooner when I have an issue. Same, same. But I've also learned that sometimes it ain't even worth it because most people will give me lip service and not change the behavior. So then I have to make a decision to say, okay, is this person worth being in my life knowing that they don't know how to, <laughs> they don't know how to act? Or do I just, you know? But it's a, it's a balancing act though. Cause I do wonder if I am too sensitive sometimes. Cause I feel like. Listen, y'all wouldn't have this project if I wasn't sensitive. Okay? That's, that's fair. Cause I was literally rocked to my core, like crying. Mm. Like I have to do something because it brought up so much, so much that I actually still probably haven't dealt with enough, but like so much of so many of my own experiences that I've allowed to happen because of how I've been socialized to, to perform my femininity mm-hmm. with all my variety mm-hmm. of ideas that I'm not even going to go into right now. Cause I'm not about to start crying on this podcast. I got you. No, I, no, I get it. I mean, so one of my homeboys has, does a podcast on, um, toxic on, uh, black male masculinity anyway. And he talks about toxic masculinity a lot. And it was, so I did a podcast on black male privilege once and we got so much negative feedback from that show. No, really? Just the, the concept and people, but the, I, here's the problem. People didn't listen to the show. People saw uh, the title of the show and uh-huh. immediately went to what is black male privilege. And it's like, dude, have you not? I, I don't know. That's a, and I and I guess that's where reading comes in. Is that like I I don't quite understand how black men don't think that black women have it worse. I kind of just don't get it. It's not. I can connect those dots very basically. And I don't understand how other black men are just kind of like know it's all the same. It's not the same. You you got to hit them with the massage noir definition. That's mm. you should. They they probably wouldn't have nothing to say if you, you just would have said massage noir because they would have had to look it up. <laughs> Which I mean, I can I kept I pulled the definition up already, so I can read it for no, the listeners. No, go crazy. So, massage noir is misogyny directed toward Black women, where race and gender plays roles in bias. The term was coined by queer Black feminist Moya Bailey, who created the term to address misogyny directed toward Black women in American visual and popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in thinking about that, it's just like. We we know how well some people might not know. Right. Just think about the ways that black women have been represented in media. From Aunt Jemima to, you know, uh Tangential, did you see that person say that Aunt Jemima that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Not ever. I've seen a lot of bizarre things this year, but I'm not watching that. <laughs> no, I didn't even watch it. I just saw the quote and I was like Excuse me, Angel Mama got canceled? Like, she wanted to be... Okay, anyway. My oh, bad. You know what? I A lot of things have disturbed my spirit this week. I think on Saturday and Sunday, good girl Dominique is going to have to log off of everything. Hey Amen. I might join you, honestly. That's one of the things that disturbed my spirit this week uh, to the point where I called some old white man under my dad's Facebook status today, ignorant and a bunch of other things. And I have 14 notifications on Facebook that I was like, I ain't looking at this. Right, that, like, don't do it. <laughs> That's why I, I'm off Facebook. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
But yeah, just thinking about, I can't, I think it was Dorothy Dandridge in the banana skirt. Was that who was I think that was Dorothy Dandridge, yeah. Yeah, just thinking of all of the ways that we have been sexualized, the adultification of black girls. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember walking up and down my side streets as a kid in the main, one of the, the main street is seven, seven mile, but it's the part of seven mile that turns into Moross. I just didn't want people thinking I was walking down seven mile near Osborne or nothing. <laughs> Cause I know that's not a very wise decision. Right. But, um, you know, I would walk up and down that street, 12 years old, hearing very nasty things. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was a baby. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I think sometimes it's difficult. I'm, I've had black men tell me this, so I'm comfortable saying it. A lot of black men act like the white people are black people. We do. But not so that, that article came out in 16, and I remember there was this huge black backlash amongst black men because they were like, words mean things. And I was like, so do our actions. <laughs> like, guys, yeah. relax. Um, it was Josephine Baker, too, by the way. I just looked it up. Okay, I was like, I feel like it's not Dorothy Dandridge. I but... thought it was too. I thought it was too, but yeah. then it, it, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, no, so I remember the, I, this. Just, this just crossed my mind. I remember the very first time I saw an adult man hit on a woman or like approach a woman. And he didn't even really approach her. Me and my mom was at Northland. I I couldn't have been no older than like six, and he was sitting on this bench, and she was walking past him, and he like said like, "Hey," and she looked over, and he motioned to her. She went, and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> that's not how any of that should go." I was lost at my young age. I was like, "Because uh, I, I was like, it's not going." I was like, "It can't be that easy." That first thought, that was my first like, "It can't be that uncomplicated." But, I mean, but when the expectation is set that when men call, you come, you go. And she went, and I was just like. And it, what blew my mind was that he wasn't I, no shade, but he wasn't nobody I would have went over to. So I was kind of like, okay, okay. sure, <laughs> whatever. So like, like you said, like I mean, women are kind of socialized to like not offend. Me. I was. Have you watched Mrs. America any on Hulu? Uh uh So they talk. So it's a show. It's a period piece in like the late. It's set from like sixty nine to eighty one, mm -hmm. and it's they were trying to get this equal rights amendments passed. Equal, equals, equal rights amendment passed into the constitution which would have just basically made like men and women equal all across the board and there was a sex so I mean they're just talking about um, that era of feminism and how what women had to do to kind of play ball and there was a scene where like Elizabeth Banks plays this uh, Republican um, sort of uh, staffer for Nixon and then Ford and she says like to get this amendment passed I had to let the guy hug me a little bit longer or like know that he was looking at my ass as I walked past him in the room or like, so the microaggressions are always there. And it always seems like in order just to like not offend us, y'all got to laugh at shit. That's not funny or deal with shit. That's not cute. You know, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but it, it that, that's what blows my mind about. Again, like I said, I feel like we've always known that we are making y'all uncomfortable, but it's almost like our comfortability is more important than y'all discomfort. Mm -hmm. So I, I just kind of want men to reckon with that fact is that we have been making y'all this uncomfortable for a very long. This isn't new. Like yeah. we, I feel like we up in arms now because we feel like this, this is the first time that we've noticed y'all been this mad. And it's like, no, they've been mad for a while. 
We ain't been listening. So yeah. and also it's like we also reckon with the fact that we we do love y'all. So it's like nobody it, when things are happening in the black community, sometimes we do put our our things to the side to be out on these front lines for y'all. And so yes, that is why. Thankfully, that black man called out that it's like, dang, I mean, I understand what Dave Chappelle was trying to say, but the black women being murdered don't impact right, it. Right. And in that, and I think that's the point. Like, no one is saying that you're wrong for identifying with the fact that black men are dying, but so do we. It's hurt when y'all are are murdered. Mo no nobody hurting like black women when black women are murdered. Nobody. And that's, nope. I, I guess what was blowing my mind about all this stuff specifically was like, well, the, um, the toasting stories. I'm like, man, black men will really complain about the police and then go home and like torture their women. That's crazy to me. Like how can you go out in the world? But it's almost like, and not to excuse us for any behaviors, but we are enacting the models that we were taught. You know what I'm saying? Like we're looking at how white people treat their women, how they treat their their um institutions and we're like well if we ever gonna have anything in this world we need to act like white men and so that's what we reenact i think and even as it pertains to how we treat y'all and it's like we don't have to that, that's not the prototype it's not the model to follow like we can build something that's way more equitable and better for everybody instead of and trying I, to like subjugate some people in order just to like make ourselves feel good that's, that's not the point of this and i think people don't realize that that's what's happening they don't realize that's what they're doing and it sounds so bad when you say right. it that and they I, don't... I get it that's the thing i mean because again when people when that white when that black men are the white people the black people article came out i understood the backlash i'm not oblivious to the idea that it sounds bad but it's the truth yeah yeah so... and and i and there's no nice way just like there's no nice there was no nice way for me to tell that white man under my daddy's status that being ignorant, tone deaf, and completely out of order saying not all cops to a black man with a black family with young black children. You are inappropriate and out of order. Here are the links that you can go further educate yourself. Like there, there's no nice way to say that. You better there, than me sending links. Like I'm not even doing that. Because that which, is which I, why I admire you for this project also because I'm google.com is free, bro. It's really why I wanted to get you on because I'm like, let me go ahead and spotlight this this good Samaritan work that Dominique and her partner are doing because I don't know if I had the patience, honestly. I feel like 10 minutes of my first conversation, I'd be like, really? You didn't you didn't know that? Okay. I think, I mean, you know, we're trained in social work, so let me tell you, it's some stuff that we have heard that y'all wouldn't believe. Um, I mean, maybe y'all can, cause maybe y'all talking to y'all therapists about some wild stuff and they too are keeping a straight face. <laughs> um, but I think for me, I have the capacity to do this work, but not in the way that I was doing it as a field student. So seeing people back to back, you know, I had a hard time cutting people off at 45 minutes. So I let people have a whole hour. You know, I'm printing resources, I'm sending emails, I'm letting people contact me if they're in crisis. That was not sustainable for me. Mm -hmm. This is, <laughs> you know, I get to say, I have free time at this time on this date, and this is what I'm able to do for you. Da, 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 da. Uh, 
So I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for my heart and my training. <laughs> I, I am also grateful for your heart specifically because <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. So I, I have you. So I've also had conversations about, and also want to run this idea by you that, mm -hmm. um, and shout out to Dan D greasy on Twitter. Um, he's, he started a group for black men who want to have conversations about this stuff. I've yet to join it transparently. Cause I feel like I already have a community of men. I need to work on myself. Yeah. I kind of feel like joining a group of black men. I don't know just to do it. Not just to do it. Like I understand like the, there is, merit in doing it but I'm, i almost feel like i'm skipping steps you know what i'm saying like i need to like work on my closest friends i need to pour into the woman in my life immediately i need to do that first and then once i've like figured out how most effectively i can do that then i can join another sort of like larger society of men doing that work does that make sense yeah i i do think your voice might be helpful in that group only because all of them in that group not there yet <laughs> like is some people in there that might benefit from what you have to say. And I also respect what you're saying. Like, I'm all for, I tell people all the time, get your house in order before you start trying to clean up somebody else's house. Mm -hmm. If you got roaches, you need to handle that <laughs> before you're trying to deal with the mice right. over here. Deal with your roaches, <laughs> make sure that's all good, and then go deal right. with the mice. So I definitely respect that. Yeah. But I, like you said, I feel kind of not that, and I also don't want to centralize myself because I, I got plenty of work. I got to do on myself. But um, yeah, I just kind of feel a little queasy, like knowing that there are more immediate steps I could be taking. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not, I'm not discounting the idea that like I could even join that group specifically. It's just, I'm trying to figure out exactly where I fit in. Cause I don't want to jump in there. Like you said, thinking that I know more than these men and I'm just like everybody else. So just know just knowing where you fit in basically you know, as long as you're doing the work i think i i think as long as we're all you know pushing this needle forward because the paradigm gonna shift and you either gonna get run over by the boat or be in the boat okay oh so. okay reverend crump <laughs> i like the energy i like the energy reverend oh goodness don't let my daddy hear this like <laughs> You see, it's him. He's trying to get me past the church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add the organ in in this part, <laughs> right here. It's like, nah, but we, we coming up on the hour. Um, any final thoughts? Any like last things you wanted to share? Um, I encourage people to look up what restorative justice is. Um, just a brief little overview. Um, when people in relationships are harmed, needs are created. The needs created by harm lead to obligations. Mm -hmm. and the obligation is to heal and put right the harms as a response. So restorative justice seeks to answer three questions. Who has been hurt? What are their needs? Who has the obligation to address the needs to put the harm, to put right the harms and restore relationships? So that's like the, the high level what it is. And I encourage people to look into it because I think there is fear i did i do want to name that like i i know that there is fear in talking to us because i think people think we're going to do like the okie doke on them that's not what this is like when i when somebody brought that to my attention i was like i'm not even cut like that and that's how i know they don't know me because i would never like what i would never put my education 
next to my name and try to okie doke somebody. Right. The, the Council of Social Work Education, the National Association of Social Workers will have my right, name. Exactly. Your career would be, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I would never put myself out there and then do the okie doke on somebody. So we're not here. We're not here to punish anyone. Mm-hmm. If there are repercussions to your actions that go past the conversation with us, that's something that that individual is going to have to reckon with because I'm not the one who who did something, right. you know? So um, I did just want to name that. I understand that there's a fear. And I did offer up my Google Voice number to a couple of um, people. Just like, hey, if y'all know people who want to talk, but like, don't don't want to have any record of speaking <laughs> we can set up a, a a what do you call it a, a star six seven situation but y'all still gonna have to get that on my calendar because baby girls still work a full-time job you feel me that's an option too if you find someone if you know somebody with my google voice you know she's she's available right you just gotta schedule it you gotta yeah, figure gotta out a way to schedule so yeah, not, not- no, there's there's definitely I mean to your point, there's like a fear. I think fear I mean fear is pretty much the problem with all of this. I think we're just afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of um having to modify our behaviors. We're afraid of like what that means. We're afraid of when we do that, where that puts us societally. Like this is a lot of wanting to be in control. And the second you lose control, you really don't know what's next. So while I empathize also like, come on guys, we gotta be better for our black women. Um, cause ultimately it's going to be better for everybody. Like I said, it's not just benefiting them or us. It's benefiting everybody. So, I mean, black people, when we get our stuff together, we really will heal the world. So, um, and I do believe that from the bottom of my heart. So if people not ready to talk, they sure can drop, um, that donor box though. And you can set up a monthly donation if you feel them. If you feel oh yeah. That, I, I was going to tell you to plug everything on the, on the website on the way out. So. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the website is S as in Sam, A, S as in Sam again, R, J, P as in Paul, dot com. And um, when you go to the webpage, the third uh, little header is donate. And there is a statement um, from the individual who helped us set this up. Um, and then a link to the donor box for the fund. And what the fund basically is, is helping to sustain us in taking care of this project. So we are, we did do a couple of um, consultations with professors that we have, and we want to make sure we pay them for that time. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of times the, the professors who are willing to talk to us for free are the ones that the school is pimping that other students you know they're the ones that people are constantly asking right, for help right. so we took a, a consulting approach to this and i wrote out every single line item of what we needed to do and put a price next to it mm. so um that's how we got to the total of eleven thousand. and honestly that was me lowballing a lot of things so smart woman yeah, yeah i mean Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I mean, your foresight. But we're we going to get that money raised, so no worries. We're going to figure it out. Uh, oh, like I, I, told, I told the person who set it up that he didn't even have to put that number on there, but he was like, no, nah, we doing that one. Because mm-hmm. I, I told him a lower number, and he was like, 
now nah, what's the whole thing? What, what does this cost? And I was like, well, here, here's the total. Right, here it go. So, yeah. But for sure, anything else you want to plug on? The, I mean, go to the website, obviously, but any any other information you want to give on the way out? Um, I do diversity, equity, inclusion workshops as well. So some of the presentations I already have are, um, one of them is transgenerational trauma, post-traumatic slave syndrome, and the inter, I can't remember the whole title because I created it like a year ago, but basically the intersections of blackness with being a young person and how to work with black youth. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a presentation that I've done. Um, anything that has to do with like Afrocentric approaches to dealing with folks, I probably have a presentation on it. So yeah, hit your girl up. Um, what email address should I give out? Should I give out an email address? I mean, you don't have to give it out on here. I can just link to your, to your socials and stuff. That would be great. I got you. Yeah, can you? I can't have you too too available. You know what I'm saying? They can find you yeah, on the website. I was, I was like, I was about to say that email address, but that just don't. That feels like some open invitation. Right. No, nah, they they can find you on the website. They can find you on your socials. We got it from there. Thank you. All right, cool. I'm gonna let you get to your boot camp. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Yo, black men, are you tired of being told that men are trash? Are you tired of hearing over and over about toxic masculinity? Are you tired of having black masculinity defined for you? All in the videos, dancing. I bet. Check this out. Cue the music, please. My name is Jeremy Hurt, and Let's Talk Bruh is a podcast that I host on black masculinity. We have conversations on black masculinity and take it into our own hands, define it for ourselves, and break down what men are trash really means, as well as what it means to hold ourselves accountable for toxic masculinity and the ways that it impacts us and women. I have conversations on vulnerability, mental health, friendship, sex, and much more. Being a black man, as we know, is a full-time job with no days off. And Let's Talk Pro is a podcast where all black men can have deeper conversations outside of Twitter's 280 characters to vent, to laugh, celebrate our wins, and call each other out for problematic behavior like telling your boy to man up when he's crying because what does it really mean to be a man if you can't cry? With each episode, we try to do our part in considering and suggesting new visions of black masculinity. Let's Talk Bro drops every Wednesday anywhere you can find podcasts. All right, come on, let's get started. Because I, I this is where I, I want to start on Juneteenth. Um, Ryan is on on Zoom. We're on Zoom, people. Yeah, we're doing a Zoomy. We're doing a Zoomy. Um, happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Power to the people. Power to the people. So. All power to all the people. All power to all the people. So no, so while I'm happy we're celebrating Juneteenth, so I I, I texted you this morning because I was fired up. I've been kind of my my fingers been working. I need to write actually, but. In, in lieu of writing, I just figured I'd talk to you for an hour. Um, and we already hour into this conversation anyway, so whatever it is, what it is. But first question I was going to hit you with this morning, because like I said, my fingers was was moving. Um, should we be celebrating Juneteenth for real? That's my yes. hot take. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are we? Are you sure? Are we sure? It's like I, I we were talking about this this morning as well. It is weird to be on the forefront of a holiday being created. Um imagine being alive when king got his holiday you mm. know what i'm saying like out of tragedy comes this but it we do need to celebrate it we celebrate cinco de mayo and people don't even know what that's about or what that's for what it celebrate fair no so my i'm not arguing so my argument is that like juneteenth 
June 19th itself is not like a happy day. I mean, like it was for those slaves who got emancipated, but they should have been emancipated uh, 30 months prior, bro. This is actually like a celebration of one of the more diabolical acts of white terror in this country. That's why I think it should be celebrated. People need to know. To, not until two years later did a lot of or a significant portion of the enslaved find out that they were free. That's but so I mean I saw um, a title for an article about um, some people who didn't find out they were free until 1960. 1960. That was only 60 years ago. How is that even possible? 60 years ago. My dad is 50. Right. Holy shit. We were watching this vice thing and this guy owned an old plantation. So his, he still owned the land that his family had, this white dude. And one of the direct descendants from the slaves that were quartered there or the enslaved that were quartered there was still working there. That's incredible. And I see him as a brother and we came up together and this, he is your slave. This man knows nothing outside of the realm of living on this land, just right. like his ancestors. He is your slave. That's incredible. <laughs> and now he lives out back and we this. He's your slave. Nope. Say it. Nope. So, I he mean. Taken up in the house. Come on now. Nope. No way. So, yes, we need to celebrate Juneteenth because we need to point out the fact that it wasn't until two years later where people really started to get hit to, to the fact that they were free. Can you imagine that? I would be like, what the fuck? But that, but, but that makes it so weird. Like this this holiday specifically, we were joking before we started recording technically, but this holiday got gentrified mad quick, bro. Like I really do feel like white people don't know what they're celebrating. They just think they're celebrating black people generally, like broadly defined. And it's like, nah, we're actually talking about some. So I, cause I read some Juneteenth literature this morning that basically still gives, I guess like officially, they don't really know the official cause of why those slaves didn't find out until 30 months later. And I'm like, we know why. Come on, man. I'm confused. I'm in confusion. So, I mean, there was like, so there are, there are stories about the, I guess one of the, the person who was supposed to go down to Galveston to tell those folks, he got murdered on the way. And so that one messenger stopped the whole operation, I suppose. There was, this there's a- master, The plantation owners and the overseers knew. They had to, right. That's, that's where I'm lost. Cause it's like, cause the argument seems to be that there was a lapse of communication that made it so that the slave owner wouldn't know, that the slaveholder wouldn't know. And I'm like, we just fought the bloodiest war to date in 2020, the bloodiest war ever to happen on American soil. And you're telling me you didn't know what it was for or what was the result of that war? Come on, bro. Exactly. There's Pre no fucking Precisely. And that's, yeah, that's the whitewashing of history right there. But. But, that's, but that's what happens. And that's really my concern with like. You know, celebrating this holiday now. Pretty much. Like, so my argument, I mean, it's not really a fleshed out argument, but like Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September 22nd, 1862. So it was really three full years before they got free down in Texas. So it's like, I understand like September 22nd don't got the same ring as Juneteenth, June 19th. I get it. Like for marketing purposes. At the same time, like, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm not so beholden to June 19th as a date. You know what I'm saying? Think about how many holidays are celebrated, not the end of the war, but a particular battle. True, true. In a war or a particular victory in a war. You're not 
celebrating the whole war. You're just celebrating that particular day that these people got free or claimed their emancipation or won this particular bloody battle or whatever it may be. It's just one, it's a microcosm of the overarching issue. No, I get it. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, when you put it that way, like I've been thinking about my, because I didn't want to be so heavy headed about like I had been, been about it earlier. Um, so, I mean, when you make the analogy of we, when you celebrating like victories in a battle or not the end of it, that makes sense. I like that analogy a lot. Yeah, I'm celebrating uh, this was a victory, right. you know. As but with that said, that's why I, we need to protect against the gentrification of Juneteenth, man. Like I really need need the country to know what happened on June nineteenth, eighteen sixty three, bro. Eight, like eight sixty five, my bad. It's three, two years later, three years later, it's incredible to me. And that, and that, that's really what, what I've been trying to wrap my head around these last couple of days. Anyway, was that I have to share this holiday now. <laughs> Y'all didn't even know what it was. Like I, I tweeted earlier that um, give black people the day off, make it a federal holiday for black people specifically. But why is this a federal holiday? Like full stop. How? How is that even possible? Unless, unless like they're gonna. I'm, but I don't know how you can mandate white people go to some sort of like sensitivity. Do you know that would cause weight. I mean, come on. You want to talk about getting killed in the streets? But I'm saying, bro, like reparations, something like I don't, I don't quite understand how this has been my I argument. Like that as a part of a reparations pack, it's like I had to work today. You know what I'm saying? I had to be up and be on for my meeting. I... But I don't, like that's kind of, like part of my argument for. And then we got the email. Sorry to cut you off. We mm. got the email later on that it's the end of an early work day at two o'clock <laughs> on the last day of school for distance learning. Sure. Anyway. You're acknowledging the holiday, though. Right. God bless. Happy Juneteenth. But no, I, so I got a um, podcast with Mel I got to put out. But we were talking about how I'm just kind of like, this isn't supposed to be easy for white people. I mean, in, in comparing it with like the gender conversations, like these, these, these conversations, I feel like white people kind of want to like get in front of it so that they don't have to do the hard part. Read the book, if you are white or black or whoever listening to this podcast, read the book White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. She is a PhD um, in social sciences and she talks very specifically about this. And I found her lecture on the book at Oakland University or wherever she was, I don't know. Very compelling. Yeah, I Not to the agenda, but I highly suggest because a lot of these issues a lot of the like you said making juneteenth easy putting a holiday on it is easy okay even if you said all black people got the day off okay you know okay but all but all these symbols though like i'm not i felt like the hater that was shitting on all those black lives matters murals but i'm like yo there has been literally no policy put in place before any of these symbols i don't give a fuck about these murals bro Excuse my language, but I'm like, these murals don't mean nothing to me. They put that beautiful Black Lives Matter mural and, and named the whole plaza. At the same time, they increased the uh, MPD budget by like $100 million. So I'm supposed to be impressed by a mural. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love Gretchen to death. She's expanded roadside drug testing. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? But we, but we were so happy to give her buffs. Cause she's still to some white people. That's like what it is. That's what I'm saying. People don't know real true. You know, that's where that conversation about reform versus abolition comes in. And if you are not talking about what I told William the other night was the way that I see it, 
unless you are looking for a true paradigm shift in the way that we live on this planet, you are not fighting for true liberation. But that requ- that's the thing. That requires a change in everything. Like everything is patriarchal because and hierarchical and, ca- and capitalist. Ultimately, everything everything on the earth is under the arm of white supremacy. Even those islands who are remote, uh, you know, we can't go there. They fight us off. The only reason they exist is because the white man has decided that they want to preserve them as being indigenous. Right. If they really wanted them out of that, wherever they were, they would bomb or kill them, whatever they had, great village, whatever they had to do to get them out of there, just like they did the rest of the planet. You know what I'm saying? So a true, everything that we know about how we live, the way that we live, the comforts, the discomforts, the issues of suppression, starvation, homelessness, all these things are under the arm of capitalism and ultimately white supremacy. And until there is a paradigm shift, or to put it more simply, they have won the monopoly game. We keep playing all these rounds, but they have won. And until we can play a different game, we are going to be oppressed. That's what's so- they win at this game. Right. But they're not going to change the game. We have to come together and change the game. But people are used to, I mean, have you ever watched those like videos about how um, a very small microcosm of this example is like where um, other nations are now getting obese because they have adopted a Western diet? I've heard, I've, I haven't watched anything, but I've read about it, yeah. Do you know how much what you eat is connected to your culture? Right. So you're, the paradigm is shifting, but still not in that way that we needed to change to be able to live on this planet. It's just, it's not there. So you can, we can go back and forth about these things and what's right and what's wrong and trying to convince white people of this. That's why I said read that book because it's like when you are on top by now, you don't even know it. Yeah. They have no idea. The average white person has no idea the privilege that they have. When we talk about white privilege and white fragility, they don't even know it until so you talk to them very specifically about race and their behavior about race is what will will tip you off. It's so that bizarre they- to me though that they don't. So like I was talking to I forget who I was talking to about this. You said what? They don't even think about it. Imagine thinking about something or having to care about something you don't. I've never even heard of this before. This is an alien to me. I don't know what to think of this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, you're a racist, but you don't even know it. I don't even know what I'm perpetuating is racism. You know what I'm saying? It's so, that's the thing that was like, uh, I mean, it's systemic. So it's really hard to, I mean, I feel the same way about a lot of these sexual assault allegations. Is that like I feel like a lot of men is like it's systemic. I think about um, like past behavior. So I was so me and Melvin were comparing like we used to go up to we used to dance with a girl at a party. It really wasn't no asking her to dance. You kind of just like walked up on her if she wanted to dance, she, she did. If she didn't, she walked away. I would see niggas get aggressive if a girl like said no a couple times, and I never saw like anything get too wild. But I have seen niggas like persist. Um, so yeah, I don't like I don't know. It's just kind of hard to think that, um, 
you just don't realize you're not being your best self all the time because society isn't making you be your best self all the time. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can get away with being a shithead sometimes because there are no consequences for your actions. But the point at which there are consequences now is like, oh, wait, why are you persecuting me for being the person I've always been? It's like, well, we can also hold you accountable once, like you said, that paradigm starts to shift. Duh. And that's what I was talking about before we got on about education is always going to be the key to all of this. But it's hard when you, um, you know, I also heard a take since we're all offering our takes <laughs> these days. I also heard a take that said more or less, I'm par super paraphrasing, but that the white man has, or American culture, let's say American culture mm -hmm. in general, has sacrificed in order to keep people of color, specifically black people oppressed and uneducated, they have sacrificed their own education. Yeah. So the public, uh, most kids go to public schools. You know what I'm saying? Most kids don't go to private schools. Most kids, whether it's in the suburbs or in the city, go to public schools. You have dumbed down your education so terribly. Of course, black and brown communities get it way worse, but you have dumbed down your education system in general. You have sacrificed your education just to keep these people oppressed. So that's the first hurdle that we have to get over. But this country is natural. But I, I realized that um, I, I will never forget I was sitting in property and it all clicked. I was like, yo, this country has been like living off natural selection since its inception. William had a great point about this yesterday because I was um, saying how Corona is COVID is over because you can go here and you can go there because if you don't have, you know what I'm saying? Because I was only given $1,200 to live on. Right. So it must be over because I can't live on just $1,200 from March. So it has to be over. I'm put in a position where I have no choice. So yeah, I'm about to go to the bar. Yep, because I just went to work today. True. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I'm about to go to the beach. We need a family vacation. Yep. It's over because I have to live my regular life because you've only, you're not affording your society to be able to stay in and truly recover. So yeah, it's over, right? But he was saying that point about natural selection. Yeah, because if you need this money, then you can't make it, right? You know what I'm saying? Only can make it, make it. And when they make that's it. Only the people who can make it, make it. And the rest of y'all, here's some $1,200. Damn, you needed that? You that strapped? Wowzers. Government sanctioned genocide, bro. Like, people don't want to call it that, but it's straight, it's genocide. That's like, like how dare you send niggas out to work and you don't even know what the fuck this virus does to people yet? Dude. I, I, I remember I woke up maybe like six weeks ago and I read, I, I got, I saw the, um, the alert on my phone, a notification on my phone about healthy people in their early 30s randomly coming down with uh, COVID-related strokes. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I turned 28 in six weeks. I'm very close to that demographic. <laughs> and, you know, usually with the flu or whatever, anything that comes out, they say if you're between a certain age range and you're healthy, you're fine, typically. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm not out here getting a flu shot every year. I'm just out here living. I try to take my vitamins and eat healthily you know, whatever, and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? Like, generally speaking, I don't really get sick. Right. But this, I'm like, even if that's true, I still could get it. I'm not afraid of getting the flu. Yes, it kills a lot of people, but I'm not afraid of yeah. getting it. You know what I'm saying? This, because I can, the chances of me recovering are much higher than this. And recovery, I think people think people who had it and then they got over it. 
or they had it and now they don't have it. People are have collapsed lungs. People are having blood issues. People are on dialysis. Bro, let me people tell are, you. Um, you know, do you know that getting trached, getting trached means having a hole put in your trachea to put some uh, the tube down so that you can breathe when you get trached, mm -hmm. um, or put on a breathing on a um, ventilator. So when you get placed on a ventilator, they cut a hole in your trachea right here and they shove a tube down there so you can breathe. That's it for you. That is it. A lot of people with COVID, once they went on a ventilator, you know, you kept hearing those people, once they go on a ventilator, that seems to be it because you're not using your lungs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I think that my ultimate point is like, you know, this, like you said, nobody knows anything. It could be this, like, did you hear about those kids in New York who were coming down, they had COVID, they were asymptomatic, but then they were getting this lingering after post-COVID, um, like where they would just, their, um, I don't know if it was their veins or something, it was just like inflamed. Like oh the kids my were God. Yeah. We don't know anything about this virus, bro. Aside from that, I mean, you don't know anything. No, I, um, was it winter 16? I guess so. I used to get sinus infections twice a year anyway. Like when the weather would break cold or and hot, I would just get sick. I can't breathe regardless. So one winter I got a real bad sinus infection. I remember I, I thought it was just a normal sinus infection. It got to the point where like I couldn't I couldn't breathe for like ten seconds at a time. I couldn't lay down flat. I couldn't sit up straight. I couldn't fall asleep for no extended period of time because I couldn't breathe. So um, I had to go to urgent care and. I remember that night, like, I remember that night thinking, like, this might be it. Like, I can't breathe. Like, nothing I do is giving me relief. And they had to give me, like, some steroid in the breathing machine. And I, all I, I, I keep thinking about that night, dog. And I'm like, I was in urgent care on a fairly, like, dead night. Wasn't nobody there. Like, slow night. And I'm like, man, these hospitals are, are to the gills. Niggas don't have insurance. I don't have insurance. If something happened to me, I'm screwed. Grace Hospital in Detroit because of uh they were understaffed they didn't have enough ppe i mean the things that these hospitals have been requiring i saw one article was saying that they're you have to check in and check out a gown and they're rotating them a gown uh, these gowns are meant i've worked in hospitals those gowns are meant to be disposable right. one time use on one patient you put it on go see the patient take that mug off and throw it away you got to see another patient that has uh the same condition you got to put on another gown i can't believe this but folks got to go back to work. But I don't. COVID is over. I don't have a but choice. COVID is over, bro. You gave me $1,200. I was laughing when you said COVID is over, but COVID is really over. Unemployment. 40 million Americans are out of work. That's the, that's higher than um the Great Depression. That's it's, It is bizarre. It is so bizarre. You know? And it, what, even more bizarre to me is that, like you said, like because we seem to be stuck in these systems. I, I keep getting annoyed with because again, people have gentrified protest to the point where like, I don't care what these brands are donating. We don't, we need to be into capitalism. You know what I'm saying? We need to like stop acting like money isn't, isn't fake. That's the argument here. Black people aren't arguing that like we need more money. They're arguing that like we need to be equitable. White people to do this. I can support this brand now because they donated money to Black Lives Matter. I don't have to feel bad about being racist. No, you're fucking racist, Becky. Like, come on, man. We don't give a fuck about a target. Like, come on, bro. It's not about the target. <laughs> it is not about the target. It's about the lack of resources that that target represents. Like, good grief. Yeah, it looks good for me to say, just burn down my store so I can file this insurance claim because we support Black Lives Matter. 
I would be a fool not to do that. Come on. That target Where's will be fun. At? Right, that target I is sure. More money now because I support black people now. It's hip. It's cool. Like I said, we the 2020 edition. <laughs> no, black people is we. This is our country, and I get. Um, I think it's very important to say that very explicitly as a black person because I was on that same way. Like I got to go to Canada and live there so I can apply for my citizenship <laughs> and I want to get the fuck on and we need to fly to Costa Rica so we can check it out. They got a high wax. Like I'm like ready to get the fuck on. And William, um, he a Detroit nigga through <laughs> Oh my goodness. For people who are not from Detroit, people who are from Detroit, whether they hate the city or not, they do not want to leave. Okay. And they will always come back. Um, but I'm like ready to get the hell on. I'm like, this America thing is not working for me. It's just not lining up. The math ain't math. I got to go. But he really brought me back home. And he was like, you don't to go where? Right. That's the thing. Where are we going? You are American. This is your country. You was here first when they got here. We came together. This is your country. More so because your people built it, but this is your country, just like it is their country. It's 50 50 around this bitch. This is my you, country. You know how lazy you gotta be to look around at, at barren land and be like, I don't feel like doing nothing with this. I'm gonna build a boat and go get me some niggas and have them come and do stuff with this. It's like, no, you was already here. <laughs> like, how dare you, bro? Like, that's so bizarre to me. They built boats because they didn't want to do labor. My dad. I was just at my dad's house a second ago and I will not disclose his affiliations. <laughs> but he hit me to some information about black people being here first, which is a common, more so rumor, I guess, because black history hasn't been um, as secular, but that when they first got here, it was already black people here, along with the natives, and they enslaved those black people first. Mm. And then insert transatlantic slave trade how did how did the black people that was already here get here what's the he didn't go that far okay <laughs> I, I just can only do my 20 minute doses so i have to like <laughs> get the shit that he's saying and then i have to do my own work I but that's the thing it. about learning yeah that has to do with learning and so not everybody is thinking i'm gonna take this information and then go learn find out more information read do the work on my own they're just i disagree with that i don't know nigga you don't know <laughs> you i would not know that i don't know but i'm going to try to find out right Simple. exactly i mean and that's the thing is if you disagree right like go do your own research and then agree? you don't know okay so you was i mean i mean if it don't so, if it don't sound right to you it don't sound right to you that's fair but then go right. do your Say research that, but you still have to yes you still have to go find out All right can't just say I disagree with that because it could be true. Exact to Mundo. Um, where we at? But yes, I just want to say very explicitly here on this Juneteenth, this is our country, and unfortunately, white people are our countrymen, but <laughs> this is our country. amen. All right, uh, that's all I got about Juneteenth. I just, I just needed you to persuade me that we are doing a, a good thing by celebrating it. So thank you, you did that. Appreciate the wisdom. Black system. Yeah, it's a microcosm, but it needs to be recognized. Yeah. Um. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is the five bloods because I didn't get it. Now that I didn't get it, that's not true. I overgot it. I felt like. <laughs> so what did I say afterward? I said I couldn't grade it fairly. 
I need to watch it again, except for it's unwieldy. But it's like Spike tried to teach 17 different messages, and I was trying to figure out which one was the most important one, and I no. couldn't get to it. Spike has been making these movies for a long time. But most and of the time, I can get the moral of the story. This is how I didn't quite get the moral of the story. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. No. So, um, I think the moral of the story is a thousandfold. Because like you said, he was trying to make a million points. Um, but I think a large part of it was what we were saying about America being our country and and like they went over there to recover the body and the gold in the name of America and they all pretty much died over there mm-hmm. except for old. Mm-hmm. and um but still in the name of America because this is our country so whether you you know um Paul was totally trumped out just out his mind and the one dude blew all his money and it's like, you are an American. Mm-hmm. You come over here, you're an American GI. You not, I mean, we know you black, sure. Okay, American black GI. Right. You are American, you know what I'm saying? And this is your country and you have to, you know, like like I was saying earlier, this, you know, you can't, these are your countrymen. I, you know, and they stood by each other. They all five of them and they was, they was about ready to kill each other. But they still stood by each other because this is my countryman. I have to stand on this principle. The the one thing about the movie I did really like was the how Spike played with like memory. Cause the first thing I noticed was like the first time they go back in time, they were still the same age. Like they 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 didn't go back to what what they what age they were in nineteen sixty, whatever. First, I was like, okay, I'm kind of glad because I hate that fake CGI because I was telling William, like, I, I'm a huge movie buff. And I just was like, I wish when casting directors really had work to do when I had to find somebody that acted like him, looked like him, but, you know, 20, 30 years younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, movies usually do a good, like, uh, I think The Wood is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they did a right. Um, But they just don't do that anymore because of CGI. It's so easy to just kind of transpose a face. But now that I'm thinking back on the movie that was on purpose because he wants Spike wanted you to see these men as they are now. Right, right, right. And it's very important to see that context of who they are now back then mm-hmm. in the war mm-hmm. to kind of uh, to drive the point home uh, the, the million points that he was making in the movie. Right. But yeah. So I think that was actually intentional because you need to be able to see them now. Like the Paul the scene where you find out Paul actually killed him mm-hmm. by mistake. Important to see that Paul right. in the plane, young Paul, but that Paul that we know as the viewer in the plane with him being forgiven for that. I mean, not pa- Paul. Paul clearly had like, I mean, I was about 15% sure that was his secret, but I, I knew Paul had a secret that we just didn't know what it was yet. Cause he he was carrying something heavy the entire time, and I was like, "Cause he was so much going on in the movie that I didn't pick up on it until it was explicit." Yeah, he said something on the boat when they was going, and he was like, "They they he was like, do you talk to Norman every night? I talk to Norman Norman every night," and I was like, "Every night?" I was like, "Either you was next to him when he died, or you're the reason that he died." I didn't know he killed him explicitly, but I was like, "Either you were right next to him when he died, or like you did something that caused him to die." So to see him actually be the reason, because that's the reason that's so that's the one thing about the movie I didn't like. And I mean, it's just a personal thing. It doesn't make the movie bad, but they kept like they, they deified Norman 
Um, they like they were living, they were still living off of his lessons 50 years later. And they kept saying, like, Norman had it right, Norman had it right, Norman wasn't going down his but island. Norman died like, on that island. <laughs> like, Norman died. He would be different now, too. You know? Right? So that, that's what was weird to me is they were still living off his lessons. And I was like, he died. Like, y'all y'all acted like he, like he survived the war. No, like, everything he, he told y'all did not work. It's still made up by you. Yeah. So... That 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 that's that was the thing that like kept throwing me off was that like they had really deified a dead guy and I'm like, he's dead. Like everything he told y'all during the war did not work out for him. Like y'all survived, he didn't. Um, but yeah, it was well shot. I mean, like it's a, it's a it was a spike flick. I w- I thought that I had made it through without him doing that tracking shot of the per of the uh the the oh, world moving. Is. Yeah, and he he still did it because he can't help himself. Yeah, I mean, Pharrell's always going to do that 3B intro before this track drops, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, people talking about my man's Paul getting the, I guess getting getting some Oscar buzz. I don't know how the Oscars going to work this year, all things considered. I'm good on all that white supremacy bullshit. True. Yeah, I'm, I don't particularly care, but. He, you know what to me that shit, that Moonlight shit, that's some foul shit that they did for Moonlight. Moonlight is a beautiful movie and it deserved all that La La Land bullshit. La La Land took the took the Oscar home because you're not going to think about Moonlight. Right. You, you're going to think about La La Land. Fuck the fuck them. And I still haven't seen La La Land because I just wasn't interested in the plot. I like I like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone a lot, but I was like, no. they are some of my favorite actors, and it pains me that I can't watch it because of fucking white supremacy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I need like I said, I need to rewatch it, uh, The Five Bloods, but. It's so long. <laughs> I, I was doing my damn to stay awake so I could get through it. Um, have you watched? Yeah, watch Purple at St. Anna. Um, that was pretty good. Still long, still spike flick, but it it's not the same in like the the strong, very poignant point that he's trying to make. But it's still a very good movie and um, the position that the black men were in in World War Two. Okay, I think it's, especially if you love like wingmen. The episode of the Bean Doc, Boondocks. Oh yeah, 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 of course. Um, no, so what else did I want to talk about from that movie? When my man, so not to, not to necessarily like find a plot hole in the movie because when you land on when you find a landmine, you find a grenade. When you find a grenade, you find a grenade, whatever. But I just found it wild that like it took that moment specifically for my man to, for them to finally find a grenade when he stepped on it and blew himself up. Yeah, that was shocking. I didn't anticipate that at all. I thought they were going to get killed or shot at. I didn't think they were going to land on a mine. I had kind of forgot about the mines. And I think that's another reason why he shot the movie like that, because it's like, it's just, it really is. The history is a lot to grapple with. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The current situation with the kids, and it's just, you totally wrecked this land over here, and now you back again, and just, you know, you over here to take the gold. Nigga, that money was, was supposed to come to my people. Fuck are you talking about? This is your gold. So, yeah, I liked it, but I felt like I was supposed to really take something away from it that I didn't quite take from it yet. I got to revisit it. Yeah, you got to think about it for a few days. But like I said, I'm not a huge Spike fan like that, so I don't, I wouldn't say force yourself, but it, I thought it was good. But no, like I said, like this, this is the first Spike movie I can remember. I can remember that I'm like, male. Because like I said, I either really like it or I'm just straight out. So, right. Cause the way well, Chirac, Chirac was terrible. That yeah, movie sucked. Actually, that's funny. I'm usually very male in his movies. Like, um, 
we saw Black Klansmen and love. I, I liked it. I liked it. Gave. I, I thought the. It's weird. Like I was just about to say, I thought the movie was great in that regard. Like the acting was great, but I just didn't know what to make of what the message was. And I'm like, okay, he was just doing his job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like he was, and even that was a radical act. I guess right. I mean that that was a radical act, but then like everything around it was a radical act too. Like the fact that he was trying to date Laura Harrier's character, <coughs> who I think he had, she asked him straight up. He was a cop. He said no, and like he's trying to navigate all these other. I I mean everything he did was, which I mean like you said it wasn't that interesting per se, but just by existing and trying to navigate those worlds, it was a radical act. So. Oh, speaking of which, also the we didn't talk about Dave. Um, after people highlighted that he didn't he didn't speak on any black woman, that did disappoint me a little bit. Uh, I mean, I liked it. I liked it on first listen. Though. I'm not gonna pretend like I didn't, but that was a little bit of erasure on his part, which I'm sure he he might regret. But none of them though. Like Rihanna Taylor was very like that's that's topical, bro. You're not even married to a black woman. That's. But. It was good. It was great. Very uh, Baldwin esque. I get it. It was cute. Love Dave Chappelle. Huge Dave Chappelle fan. <laughs> right. That's the thing is we don't have nothing bad to say about Dave, but I don't know. That's just kind of that is disappointing though. Gotta be better than that. Say, maybe I am. In, I mean, he he I'm named in. he named a few names. Like he 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 named a few names. I'm just maybe in more so indifferent to the fact that he didn't name any black women. Fair enough. Wouldn't be the first that black women have been I wouldn't say even overlooked you know what I'm saying this is a black man's piece you know when but that yeah. so I mean but to that point I also informs why, why kind of why I'm anti like men's groups right now I'm like dog there have been men pro pro women men's groups in the past I'm sure what's 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 so different this time I don't know I'm not trying I'm not trying to like do nothing what? that dis that discludes that discludes y'all it still doesn't require any work. They once you realize that some shit can look good, but I requiring any work, you can just say some shit, and that's the that's the problem with the internet. Because people are only reading what you say; they're not doing the work. So it's like just the prime example of that is Brandon Hunter. Actually, you, um, everything you say looks good, but then as soon as you peel back just one page, turn the next page, boom, this nigga's a borderline pedophile, if not full out. Boom, just like that, right up underneath. But when you just on Twitter and you just online and you just just popping up at these events, everything is on the surface. Every if you keep appearances look good, it's easy to do that. But now it's getting a little bit hard because people are calling you out on it. They contacting your job, reaching out to your people. Now it's hard. It was easy at first to do this, mm -hmm. and that's why he's having a hard time um, really talking about it and admitting to it or whatever, addressing it because it's hard now. It was easy before to maintain this, and it's easy to put up Juneteenth, and it's easy to um, have men's groups and Facebook pages and all this. It's easy to do those things. Oh, we talked about it. We met once a week, and we said that, um, you know, okay. The numbers haven't gone down. <laughs> same thing with, you know, I hate to draw that comparison, but same thing with white people. Like I said, Juneteenth is easy now. I said to go to work. The work day ended at two o'clock on the last day of school. Okay, that's easy for him to send an email and say that it sounds good. He talked about the history and everything. 
The bar is the floor. <laughs> like straight up, the bar is the That's floor. That's the point I'm trying. Thank you, thank you. That is the point I'm trying to make. The bar is the floor. So yeah, it's all easy to do these things in America. All of this is a front. Because we not we not changing those things. like that. I was thinking about that the other day, and I mean this is mad dramatic. And the wife is mad about that. No, Nickelodeon did eight minutes and nine minutes of silence. They used to do all day when we was kids. We that worldwide day of oh, yeah. all day. They can't do nine minutes but no, to recognize They, they couldn't do it because they didn't want their kids exposed to the idea that like they could get killed in their house like Ayanna Stanley Jones did. They didn't want to talk about that part. But you can get killed in your house, but you don't know shit about your police law to even know that. Or they that, or they're not in danger of getting killed in their houses. So why would why would they know that? That part, exactly. Why would I even need to know that I could get killed in my house when I know you ain't coming to my house unless I call you? But the, the the wild part was that the framing was no eight year old needs to notice, and I'm like, oh, well, wait till you hear this story. You mean your child is too young to hear about a, a kid getting murdered by the police? Oh, it happens. I bet you my kids, and my second graders know about it. I bet you. So yeah, like the bar is the floor, bro. Come on, the bar is on the, the floor. The bar is the floor. Morality, and. I think that people need to find out where liberation is, but you can't be free unless you are free. But people are not even self-aware to realize that they're not free. We're going to get there, though. I think freedom is from legislation or uh, Congress is going to one day say freedom is is anti-capitalism. Capitalism cannot exist. Period. Point blank. Yeah, so we are on something else. People don't. People. People scared. People are. I mean, the the defund the police argument. It's just it's bizarre to me that people think like the lack of a police department equals like no you protection at all. It's like uh, what? What's yes, up? defund the police, and they're proving it every day. So now in Atlanta, because they went ahead and fired, uh, they're going ahead and pressing charges on the cop that killed Rayshard Brooks. Uh, Ray Brooks. Mm-hmm. Brooks. Um, they didn't want to go to work. City didn't burn. Like somebody said, city didn't burn down. Everybody still went to work. Sun <laughs> still came up. Um, you know, paramedics still were able to do their job. I'm sure fires got put out around the city. Atlanta is huge. They're and then it's a huge uh, metropolitan, uh, metropolitan city. So you don't want to come to work. Thank you for proving my point that you don't need to even be here. Fucking terrorists, man. They, so what um, did? What do you do all night if you you took the night off and nothing happened? What do you do all night? I read. I read something about how cops will. Detroit cops do it. Cops will set up an arrest for like the last thirty minutes of their shift. Yeah. And then get like time and a half because they got to do the booking and the paperwork and shit like that. Fucking crooks, man. Yeah, that's how they do. I mean, it's yes, be fun, abolish the police. But I mean, that's why we got to keep. Pre- that's the only reason why, like, not the only reason, but the most important reason about keeping pressure on is that it just seemed like because again, like I, I think about the idea that like if we really gonna redo all of it, that means we got to redo all of it. That damn near means. This constitution is null and void. You know what I'm saying? We might need to start from from scratch, scratch. And I'm like, hey, people don't want to do that work, which I understand is hard. But also, like, they did in New Zealand, no problem. But that don't make it less hard. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not taking away from the fact that like 
rebuilding an entire fucking society is probably complicated. But I mean, we need to do it. That don't that don't that don't make that don't mean we also need to do it too. You know. So we gonna get there, man. I hope we people gonna want to be free one day. So after trying to end the podcast twice, I feel like that's that's a good place to end it. Yes, read a book. Read a book. Plug a book. Tell people what to read. Um, I am reading The Water Dancer by Tanahati Coates. I also, oh my goodness, can we do a separate podcast about books? Jesus Christ. I read this Zora Neale Hurston story. I ordered her book online, um, Hitting a Straight Lick with a Crooked Stick. Zora I see, yeah, I saw that. Read the first story, and me and William read out loud to each other. Um, I was reading story out loud, and I couldn't make it to the end. I'm about to cry now. It was so, oh my God, just outrageous her writing and then he read the second story again just so that's my book hitting a straight lick with a crooked stick a book of short stories by Zorno Hurston each short story feels like it's a whole novel I've restarted the bluest eye three times because I don't want to put it down when I finally do like I, I feel like I get to page about 25 and then I'll put it down for a week and then I'll pick it back up and I don't want to forget anything so I'll restart it uh, that's how I feel reading The Water Dancer. I'll usually go back and read the previous maybe half chapter that I'm from where I am in the book just to keep up. But it's hard. Reading is hard. Reading is hard. Stamina. Reading stamina is a skill. Reading comprehension is a skill. Apparently, I used to love to read books as a kid. and um... say, Don't say you don't read and then but you online all day. You reading? It's what are you looking at? On your but phone? no, that's the thing though. Is I, I mean, I've long argued that I think these phones have deluded people into really thinking they're reading and they're not. They're looking at shit. They're like, it's not really a comprehension of it. It's just kind of like very true because you know what it is. Um, and you see this. So I noticed this in my students. Uh, we could be. So I teach math. I don't teach ELA. My partner teaches ELA. But I noticed with the kids is you could be. You can tell them to read something or read the directions or read whatever. And they can't, you know, and you know you didn't talk the lesson on phonemic awareness. We went over the words. We did this. I know, kid, you know how to read. You're just, you know, when you're in first and second grade, you're struggling with your confidence. So you aren't sure if you know how to read. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I just learned how to do this. Right. Um, so it's like, but as a teacher, it's like, I know you know how to read. Um, but then, like, for the ones that don't know how to read or are getting there or, you know, you got to do extra work for um but you tell them to put someone in on youtube or look up something or use that tablet or computer they know what the fuck's going on they know how to type in nba young boy on youtube and it's like but i just asked you to read um little joe blow whatever mm-hmm. and you couldn't read it <laughs> but if i tell you to type in nba young boy xyz song you yeah. you know exactly put in it's because like you said it's not about the it's about the characters now mm-hmm. the screens have tricks is like you said it's tricks into thinking that we're reading but we're not we're just dealing in characters now lol i don't have to read that i know exactly what you just said right. no reading involved i don't have to laughing out loud you got to put the ing because it's a past none of that and and our brains are trained to just process shit so fast because i mean if you on twitter or or Instagram, if you just scrolling, all you're doing is processing shit. You're not really like taking it in. All you're doing is like looking for the next thing. 
So I feel yeah, that's, how, that's how a lot of people read now too. Is like that's that's where I have trouble reading. Is that I feel like I'm reading ahead as I'm reading, and I'm like, slow the fuck down, Larry. Like, you know what? And that's why me and William read out loud to each other because when you read, when you read, and I've been, I'm a reader. I read all the time, so I'm flying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, boom, done. Next book, boom, done. Next book. When you're reading out loud, you have to say every word like right. like <laughs> this. And so you can't yo, so you get some of the you know, as um we did a lot of round robin reading when we were in school. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember they have to read ahead on your shit. Like, let me make sure I'm not stumbling. But now that we don't read out loud, you don't have to make sure that you're not stumbling, but you are. Mm-hmm. And when you switch back to reading out loud, and I do, you know, we read a lot, we read a lot of books to the kids too out loud, you have to say every word. So your comprehension becomes better. You're saying every word, you can visualize it more. But like I said, when you type in LOL or shaking my head, I don't have to think shaking my head. I can see you shaking your head. Right. There is no right. with words at all through that, even though I mean engaging with text. So it's interesting. I think I'm sure there's research being done on it, but I'm very curious to see in the future how language and things are going to change because really as long as everything is on the screen now it's going to be characters and that's the thing too is that i feel like before long everything is going to be a podcast bro everything you're going to be able to listen to everything you're going to be able to listen to your textbooks you're going to be able to listen to damn near school going to be remote where you can just like record listen to the lessons, to the lessons. yeah I wouldn't be mad at that. So, but uh yeah. But I mean to that point though, that's why I like that's I mean, I bought the last book I read was about the Warriors Dynasty and I bought it on my tablet, on my iPad. And I got through it fairly quickly, but I mean I was incentivized to read it. But I, I still like getting hardcover books because I, I feel like I be missing stuff when I read stuff on my tablet for some reason. Yeah, I've tried the tablet and I have one of the OG Kindles, the black and white boy, like Yeah, you got the O O. Yeah, I do like it, but I just can't. I just can't, and I bought plenty of books on there that I've never read because I just can't. I just can't. I have to have the physical book. I have to be able to dog ear the page and read right back. And a big thing for me is highlighting. If I can't highlight that mug, um, yeah. I can't. No, I, that's I that's true. I just need it in my hand to turn the page, the flipping ahead a little bit, the sneaking back. The I just need all of that. The whole experience that I have with the book. Like I really almost got rolled up at a job one time because I was reading on a job. I'm saying that's, that just sounds like you being a nerd. That's what that's... I was. I was. I was nerding out on uh, 1984. It was the first time I read it mm. and I just couldn't put it down and they were like, you can't go to a patient's room with a book in your hand. Like, are you crazy? Oh, true. But I mean, that's still weird, but I guess. Or like people will be working and I'm standing there with a book and they're like, okay, so you gonna... But it's a short read too. But yeah, I just I just have to have that. The folding, I like to fold my covers back and just I don't know. I like the bend and the bind when you're finished and you know you've read it and it looks tattered. I just love books. Yeah. I mean, it's a pro and a con of this too, is that I do like being able to know how long it's gonna take me. Not how long, but how thick the book is. I need to be able to see how many more pages yeah. I have left. Yeah, the whole how many pages I've already read, how far I've come. At the same time, though, when you do read it on a tablet, it does feel less daunting when, like, you don't have to see how many pages are there. Yeah. It's like some books I wish I had read on on a screen, like uh, Aaron Rand's uh, Atlas Shrugs. Mm-hmm. 
that like that book you'll never be able to finish if you're reading that physical book but if you're reading it you know by the time it's done boom six months you can read it true yeah if you if you pace it I out like that. that i probably never will but i read a good chunk of it but i just couldn't it was too much yeah i said i wanted to read 50 books this year and i am failing <laughs> Yeah, I said that too, but I've, I'm getting on it. I'm getting. I've had this fifty book goal for a few years now, and uh, this is the first time that I've really been had no excuse at right, all. Right, exactly. Um, all right, let's wrap yeah. up. This is this is time yeah, number four. This is read time books, four. whatever book you want to read. Read a magazine. I order some magazines. Read something that's not on Twitter. Yeah, read the paper. I don't know. Read some, actually, I don't know. The paper be kind of janky sometimes. But I mean, if you do just want to find out what's happening in the world. At the very least, it does provide like that information. So, yeah, read, read, read. Just read, yeah. Let me get off here so I can finish up. For sure, I'll text you later. Okay, cool. Right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks one more time to both Dominique and Rihanna. Everything related to Dominique's project, the Sexual Assault Survivor Story of Justice Project, has been linked to in the episode notes. So if you can benefit from those resources or know somebody who can, or if you just want to donate, especially if you just want to donate. Um, please head over to the project's website and participate however you can. One more time, what's Uh My latest essay, The Truth Shall Make You Free. I keep wanting to say The Truth Shall Set You Free because I want to say that's how I learned it in church. But The Truth Shall Make You Free is the biblically correct version. Um, and that's also the name of the article is available at what's First thing you should see on the site, please give that a read, please, and thank you. Also, Consulting Photography, the podcast network, so much more. Please check out just all our little tentacles and everything we've got going on at whatsuitshim.com. And before we close, I wanted to direct everybody to the GoFundMe for my homie, Miss Arika Trim, a really, really good buddy of mine who passed suddenly last week after giving birth to her baby boy. When I tell y'all this was entirely unexpected, um, she is my age and presumably that means she's a lot of y'all's ages too. And it's really a reminder of our mortality and how suddenly things can just stop and how, um, you know, she had a, she had a full life to live. She had just had her baby boy, and now um, she's not here with him anymore. So, anything y'all can give to her family and to to her son to make sure that they're set for the next little bit would be entirely entirely appreciated. Um, I miss her to pieces already, and I um, would really appreciate if you all could contribute however you can. I know I didn't have much to give, but I gave what I could, and I'm I'm sure that um, whatever you can give, like I said, would be very much appreciated so thanks so much again for listening be back on friday with another first timer probably i think yeah it'll be yeah, it'll be another first timer. so be back on friday Talk to you stay off the place every time i leave i tell my niggas be safe you gonna need a little more than that gucci around your waist every time i leave i tell my niggas be safe i lose my mind if this the last time i saw your face every time i leave i tell my niggas be safe this world don't love a soul, my nigga keep faith I, my nigga be safe, be safe Peace my God, be safe, be safe Stay up my baby, be safe